Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. How's it going, Simone? <laughs> How are you doing? Good, good. Um, it's been a busy week. Uh, you know, we have a, a big event coming surprise, up this Saturday. Surprise, Jacques went on a field trip Uh-oh. this week. Big surprise. So, and yeah. Simone's always giving me grief about, about the field trips. Let's but, talk about field trip first and then we'll talk about Saturday. Yeah. So um, on Monday, a group of our um, coalition, uh, the Restore of the Mississippi River Delta, took journalists out um, to the Moorpah Swamp to understand kind of the needs that exist there for restoration um, and highlight some of the projects from the state's coastal master plan to restore that critical swamp and maintain the Manshack Land Bridge, which really, it separates Lake Pontchartrain and Lake Maurepas, and it also helps protect communities really going up into Baton Rouge from storm surge. So it's really critical. And the Coastal Master Plan shows that, you know, without action, we could actually lose that man bridge. And Lake Pontchartrain and Lake Maurepas would become one big body of water, which would be terrifying. So um, these three restoration projects um, would help prevent that. And actually, it shows that if we get these projects built and constructed, you maintain the land bridge. Um, which is so crucial. So we we started at the river. We talked uh, north of Garyville. Uh, we showed kind of where the sediment diversion would be built. And then from there, we went out and kind of saw the transition from really healthy, beautiful, lush um, swamp to kind of unhealthy swamp. And then we were also able to highlight a lot of the plantings that our partners like Pontchartrain Basin Foundation and Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana have done in that area. I think they've planted across the coast upwards of 30,000 trees. Wow. They've engaged like 1,500 volunteers. So Really impressive effort, and we've highlighted it before on the show, but a great way to get involved directly and, and restore the coast. And it's an area most people may be familiar with, but not really familiar with. They may pass it on I-55 or, you know, even pass it on your way to Baton Rouge, right? Mm-hmm. Some of the, the channels leading out to Maurepas. So they've been a hot topic this week. I did see, did you see that they had uh, in the paper, they highlighted Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation and... Uh, there was a correction. Well, we're not actually a lake. We're an estuary. They're an estuary, so yeah. So I thought that was a really cool piece highlighting that. And so we can talk to some of our friends today about about that estuary and some of the other basins. Yeah, and we'll be talking about kind of, um, we, we did this all tied to um, a report that our coalition has put out today um, about 17 priority projects, restoration projects that need to be advanced from the Coastal Master Plan. So you can, you know, go online. There's a lot of coverage um, of the report, of the tour, but we were very happy um, kind of with it. Of course, it was a beautiful day. November's a great time to Big be out. Jock, jock out. Jock out of the office on a nice, <laughs> beautiful day. Well, let's get, we'll start talking about the priority report since we have our, our special guests in with us today. But then also, and then we'll end because we're going to end the week on a fun note too. Mm-hmm. Before the holiday week, you know, we can talk about some fun things to do. So, Alicia, you are a three-time guest. Three, Pete. Oh, I think right? you are the Three. first ever. Yes, yes. yes Congratulations! I'm winning. I'm winning. Alicia Renfro is a staff scientist. Yes, <laughs> at the National Wildlife Federation. <laughs> <laughs> She's a coastal scientist, and she works on Mississippi River Delta, our Mississippi River Delta restoration campaign. Um, she has lots of great experience, and she first. Uh, and foremost, she's a good friend to us. So welcome to the show, Alicia. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. So um, this week's kind of climaxing to priority projects report. Yeah. I mean, I went on that field trip earlier to oh. earlier this week. So oh, yeah, that <laughs> that was a good start for the Jacques week. Jack has gotten you to also embrace the outside the office culture. I always appreciate a good field trip. <laughs> Alicia's my favorite person to take with me on field trips. So. Yeah, so says the person who gets in my car, I have car seats and she's like, I have a or in the back of my <laughs> <laughs> it's always a fun field trip when Alicia's just like do I need to bring the sediment core 
<laughs> yes, the answer is mm-hmm. always yes. My car always smells slightly like marsh. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about what you've been working on so hard. So, yeah, today we released our priority project report. Um, This is from the 2017 master plan. 79 projects were selected in that plan. It was earlier this year um, adopted by the Louisiana legislature. So 79 projects, that's a lot of that's a lot of restoration projects. And we've made a lot of progress, but we still have a lot of projects we need to do. And so as part of that effort, um, the Mississippi River Delta campaign, we sat down and started thinking through what are the projects that need to go first? What are the projects we think we need to prioritize that we can get done in the near term that can make a big difference and set us up for success further down the road? So we came up with this project prioritization process before we ever even saw what was actually going to be in the master plan. Um, And we had a couple different things that we were looking at. We were looking at projects that we could build in the near term that we thought had the momentum to move forward. We looked at projects that were large in scale. You know, we have a big problem and we need to do something big in order to address it. Um, We also looked at projects that actually worked together in a group. You know, you can have a project over here that does something and a project over there that does something. But unless they actually work together, you're not going to see the maximum benefits. Um, We also looked at projects that created kind of diverse habitat and habitat that could serve as storm surge risk reduction for communities. And um, now I'm blanking. What's our other one? Let's see. Ecosystem, Um, right? Well, that was the ecosystem services one. Um, So, Alicia, why are you thinking about that? that You went across all the basins in the Delta, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I came up with, yeah. So, the last one was projects that were actually um, sustainable in the face of climate change. Mm -hmm. Sea level rise. You know, we have, we have, uh, we've had land loss. We're going to continue to have land loss. What are the projects that we um, can put in place that are actually resistant, resilient in the face of things like sea level rise and storms. You don't want to have a project. You have to continue to go back in and rebuild and rebuild and rebuild. What can we put in place that'll be there tomorrow? So tell us a little bit about the, I mean, I know this isn't the first time that our coalition has put out a report like this. Obviously the last one was based on the 2012 master plan. And with Mm -hmm. the update, uh, updated 2017 master plan, we wanted to update our report as well. But, um, you know, kind of what is the overall purpose that, you know, our group is hoping to accomplish by putting something out like this? So I think um, the big thing that we want to accomplish is to just put it out there, like what are the projects that we think are really teed up for success for the future and to kind of give us guidelines of what we need to push going in the future, who we need to talk to at this day, <laughs> who, how, do we, how do we figure out how these projects move forward, what are the projects that we need to think about for all the funding sources that are available. We do have some funding sources now. It's not enough to enact the entirety of the master plan, but it's enough to do a lot of good. And as part of it, too, that, you know, these are critical projects that, you know, they, they should be advanced soon yeah. um, so that they can have a maximum benefit over the long term, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, because these projects are mostly larger in scale, they're going to take a little time to go forward, a little time to build, but they're projects that... Um, don't just build in the here and now, but have benefits that accrue all the way into the future. And so we got to get that started. So without talking about specific projects, they're probably just diverse, right? It's probably yeah. some barrier islands, some marsh creations, some diversions. So y'all went across the board. Yeah, um, we did look at, there's, depending on how you want to count it, six to seven project types in the Coastal Master Plan. 
You have things like sediment diversions, which divert sediment and freshwater from the Mississippi River to build land and sustain existing land. You also have freshwater diversions in places where you can't get a lot of sediment. Like Morapaw, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Morapaw, yeah. The Morapaw diversions um, where you can't get a lot of sediment, but a lot of fresh water will do, you know, it's it'll still do needed. good. Yeah. It's Yeah. It'll help you sustain that land. Marsh creation projects using dredge material to build land. Um, ridge restoration projects, destroying those natural ridges that help decide where water flows and how it flows. Uh, and then, of course, our Bear Island restoration projects. A lot of that we've seen progress from 2012 to 2017. A lot of our Bear Island system has been rebuilt. Um, and then we have, like, hydrologic restoration projects, which are projects that usually are trying to keep salt water out of a freshwater system. So, like, the Homa Navigational Canal Law right. would be an example of that, Exactly. Right? And you mentioned it earlier, but the projects really extend across the coast, right? Yeah. I mean, although although we're called Mississippi River Delta <laughs> Coalition, um, you know, the, the Delta and the river itself built most of our coast. And even though the um, Chenier Plain was not built directly by the river, the sediment drifted across. So we do look across the coast. What's it's best for Louisiana? The Delta, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're <laughs> Delta adjacent. And I've heard you say this before, <laughs> Alicia, but I mean, I think one of the key points is that Clearly, there's no one cause to our land loss crisis. And similarly, I think you'll find in the report, you know, like you were saying, there's no one silver bullet solution to address right. it. Right. That's yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, there's a, many things that kind of underlie why we've lost land. And there's not one single project or even project type that's going to work for every place along the coast. We have to figure out what works where and how we get that done. Yeah, I was on a panel this morning. I was lucky enough to be part of the New Orleans Regional, Regional Leadership Initiative and, and their uh, Emerging Leaders class. But we actually went out to Mishu. Y'all are jealous of Manassa yeah. badge. I hear you have some uh, astronaut ice cream. Ice cream, ice cream that can sit in my car. But um, <laughs> so we uh, so we spoke. We had a panel of folks and some friends who have been on the show, Scott Kirkpatrick and, and Steve Cochran. And uh, one of the things we said, there's two things. There's no status quo in Louisiana, and there is no one-size-fits-all in Louisiana. And so that goes to your point is is that you have to know what the area makeup is to be able to kind of apply the right solution to that. Yeah, and I think one of the things that, you know, we hit on with um, journalists that were part of our telepress conference earlier was that this is a really critical moment in Louisiana's history. I mean, the state legislature unanimously passed the master plan. We have public political will behind it. We have science. And now, I mean, we have funding, so it's, it's important to get this done. We're going to talk more with Alicia after the break. You can go to MississippiRiverDelta.org slash Priority Projects to see the report and our interactive map and other resources if you're listening to Delta Dispatches. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's 
biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore a Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. I'm Simone Laws, and with me is... Jacques Hebert. Thank you. We're here every Thursday on 990 WGSO and online through our podcast. You can check out the Restore the Mississippi River Delta and War Facebook's pages, Twitter, Instagram. Instagram? We're on Instagram, yeah. So are we. Thanks, Victoria. We like each other a lot. (laughs) Yeah, right. We just like each other's stuff. Uh, So we are joined by Alicia Renfro, staff scientist at National Wildlife uh, Federation. And we're talking about our project uh, priority report. Yeah, so we uh, released the report today. It's called Restoring the Mississippi River Delta, Recommendations for Coastal Restoration Projects and Programs in Louisiana. And it's available online at mississippiriverdelta.org slash priority projects. Very nice. So, Alicia, let's talk a little bit more about, um, so you talked about before projects and they work together, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the um, the honey hole of, of Louisiana is that you have to be able to, these projects can't work in isolation, that they should work together. So, what might be some examples of that? And tell us again why that's important. Yeah, I mean, you can spend a lot of money and do a lot of restoration and at the at the end of 20 years not have a lot to show for it sure. if you don't really think about individual projects and projects working together. Um, so an example of this might be a marsh creation project. Marsh creation project, you can build land really quickly for the most part. Um, it'll be there, but only for a short amount of time because you're not addressing the reasons behind land loss. You still don't have sediment coming into the system. And so it will sink over time and you'll be left with nothing. Um, now, if you were to co-locate that marsh creation project with a sediment diversion, sediment coming from the river through the diversion channel will actually help nourish that marsh creation project over time, ex- extending its lifespan considerably. Yeah, so we say that in projects in my part of the world too, right? You know, you can, you can build that marsh um, but you have to backstop it with the natural solution that changes the conditions, right? Unless if you don't do that, you're going to be in the same jam that you were before. So it is about um, it is about and making sure our investment is also sustainable too. So definitely good. So let's talk through some of the projects. Y'all went basin by basin, uh, basin by basin. Um, you know, maybe our fun question should be, Alicia, pick your favorite project in each basin <laughs> and talk <Ooh>. about it. <laughs> So let's start. Let's uh, Pontchartrain Maripaw. Anything? Uh, so that's where those Maripaw diversions are, right? But also it extends as far as central wetlands, which we have talked about here in the past. Yeah, you want you want me to pick my favorite project? Yeah, yes. I mean, I'm Just a little one. I'm a little biased. I'm a little scared of Mandy too. I'm a little biased, <laughs> but I'm gonna I have to that. go with the East Maripaw diversion. Nice. You know, we were out there earlier this week, um, and it's an area that is. Beautiful really, really, Cyprus, it's right? beautiful, yeah. but it's so, so important. It's so important for so many people, for so many 
organisms. It's really, it's really a critical, critical project. And it's a project that has a little traction. It's got, like, yeah. it's got a little money. Yeah, got some money. Yeah. And, you know, we're not going to go off on that tangent, but that is important to some of the, not all the money is for every project. Right. And so that is an important consideration. Um. You know, and it's great to see that traction on a lot of these projects. And, you know, we'll talk to Dr. Eric Johnson a little bit in the next segment about that. But look, what about my favorite basin, the Breton Chandelier Basin? What's Ooh. your favorite project there? Breton Chandelier. I I really like the mid-Breton sediment diversion. Oh, like it's actually I do one of my, you know, I mean, it's 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 one of my favorites. I so think the state recently yeah. announced, right, that they're going to be moving forward with mid-Breton. I think they're going to put something out on the streets, right? Yeah. Get that project yeah. going. So. I'm so excited to see that project go forward yeah. because I think it's a really, it's a really good project. So that was formerly white. White Ditch? Yes. Yeah, in uh, Louisiana Coastal Area Study, right? And a lot of these projects, that's that's to say that they've had different names over yeah. the past, but the concept is still the same. And this right. one in particular, right? A sediment diversion into the Breton Basin. So yep. good choice, good choice. Okay, so moving on. Moving what about on. your neck of the woods? My people. What you thinking about Barataria? Ooh, Barataria. Um... I mean, I could go with the easy answer. Yeah, don't go with that. Yeah. But I'm going to go with the Mid-Bear Terra Marsh Creation. Nice. That's a, the large-scale Bear Terra Marsh Creation. I mean, that's a project that actually between 2012 and 2017, we saw a lot of progress yeah, on. A lot sure. of different components were built in that area. And um, I hope to see that continue. Yeah, and while we like large-scale projects, it is also important that it could also be incremental. Because, right. you know, these projects, depending on the money and the timing, sometimes they do, all the pieces can add up to something big, but they do build them in yeah. pieces. And I mean, especially if there's a sediment source and then you can get these projects constructed more quickly. I mean, obviously with marsh creation, the costs only get greater over time as water volumes deepen and, you know, you lose more yeah, land. Good so. point. And yeah. that's another example of, you know, you put the marsh creation in and then you have Barataria to come behind it and deliver that natural solution. Definitely. All right. My real heart. Uh, Homa is where the heart is. Um, mm. Terrebonne and Chafalaya Basin. Go. I'm going to have to go with increase the chocolate. Yay! That was a trick question. That's my favorite. <laughs> there was only one correct there answer there. There was only one correct answer. Yep. So that's an example of a freshwater diversion. It um, is. It is. You know, Terrebonne, Terrebonne it's, it's kind of in between those two big river systems. Hard to get a lot of sediment over there. Um, but getting fresh water through the um, intercoastal waterway into those marshes is really important and can do a lot of good. And yeah. speaking of, well, and speaking of Atchafalaya, I mean, you, we were out there recently. How did you find the Wax Lake Delta? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, be honest. <laughs> I think I remember reading. I remember reading an uh, Instagram post that included the words "breathtaking" yeah. and yeah. you know, "soul nourishing." It's um, you know, anyone who hasn't had a chance to go out there, please. Please do. Please go out no, there. It like, is it beautiful. It feels alive. It really does. It like, is. It, it's like, it's, yes. You can go into so other marshes and you can go into parts of Terrebonne and, and it's really beautiful, but it just is, it's not alive. You yeah, know, everything you is green it. and growing and birds are Noisy everywhere. Birds. And yes. the the hunters were, were getting ready for duck season <laughs> when we were out there. So, so. increase the Chavalaya, yet another example of if you can put fresh water into that Terrebonne system, that's a perfect example of like land benefited. And yeah. not not that we we are losing land there, but increase the Chavalaya has the opportunity to save to save thirteen thousand acres that could be lost. And yes. that that can't be discounted. And yeah. then that working in conjunction with the lock, which was on previous um, priority list, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Why things may have not made the cut this time, but um, that's another. That's a hydrologic 
component. And so getting that fresh water there and making the lock keep it there is really important. Mm-hmm. All right. And last but not least, our chenier plane. The chenier plane. For that one, I'm going to have to go with Calcasieu Ship Channel nice. salinity control. And that's, that's an example of a hydrologic restoration project where you're blocking salinity from getting into some of the freshwater marshes and causing a lot of damage and land loss. And that project's been around for a little while. It has oh, different yeah. components, too. And so it's yep. really nice to see the momentum behind that. And that's they in have, other words, moving forward, right? Yeah, yeah they yep. have some uh, funding through the Restore Council. And so that's that's a really important project component to those folks out in the Chenier Plains. So, Definitely. Alicia passed. Yay! <laughs> um, so, but also you have some, some other, like, program uh, priorities too, Barrier Islands and Oyster Reefs? Right. So in this 2017 master plan, because of some of the progress that had been made, um, a choice is made um, by CBRA to do some programs. And so we did do selection of some programmatic priorities, including the Barrier Islands. A lot of them have been restored. Um, Since they are that first line of defense when a storm comes in, there may be a need to go in and do some little restoration after a storm. And then also doing looking at oyster reef restoration, um, using oyster reef as a living shoreline to help dampen wave energy to stop some shoreline retreat. And we've talked about that, the importance of that in the past too. All right, one more time, where can you go to find the report? It's at MississippiRiverDelta.org slash priority project. <laughs> All right, Dr. Alicia Renfro, thank you so much. We'll be right back after the break. Thank you. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore or Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malas with Restore Retreat. We're totally going to do the show in between the show. 
we need. <laughs> <laughs> we were having a good time, uh, you know, in between the breaks. So probably. I think maybe we need to get like a webcam for that. Oh, no, probably not a webcam. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, Don't go too crazy. All right. Well, uh, we are back. We're discussing prior the Priority Projects Report that Restore the Mississippi River Delta uh, Coalition put out today that highlights key restoration projects from the Coastal Master Plan that we're working to advance and advocate for. Um, we had Dr. Alicia Renfro with National Wildlife Federation on the show in the first half. And now we have another three-peat guest, yes, Dr. Amazing. Eric Johnson with Audubon, Louisiana, Director of Bird Conservation. Welcome back for the third time. Hello, Jacques and Simone. It's great to be back. Nice to have you. So we want to talk about this priority projects report. So we already uh, made Alicia go through the difficult task of picking her favorite project in each basin. We won't, we won't do that to you uh, yet. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your involvement in the report. Yeah, so I'm on the um, what we call the Projects and, and Programs Committee. You're the chair. Um, You're not just on it. <laughs> well, yeah, now I'm the interim chair. Um, you know, Estelle Robich Show really led the, the committee in, in developing the, the project's um, selection criteria and, and sort of going through the analyses and um, really led the, led the charge, and uh, I was happy to be a part of that team. Um, you know, we did a lot of... Uh, we looked at these projects in a lot of different ways, um, using different objectives to prioritize them and then come up with this final list. And Eric, I mean, we mentioned this, but it's not exactly a completely new report, right? It's it's more of an updated um, version of a report that was released, I think, back in 2014 um, based on the 2012 right. master plan. Um, and this one is obviously based on the 2017 master plan. Um, so tell right. us a little bit about um, kind of some of the changes in the report from the prior to this one. Yeah, so I mean, it's a it's a slightly different set of projects from the previous plan. Um, the process that went into this selection was a little bit more rigorous as well. We had um, um, we added some some new criteria, uh, you know, and, and obviously one of the big changes between the 2012 and the 2017 master plan um, are some of the changes in the sea level rise projections, and so that had a big influence on uh, which projects. Um, would be more sustainable in the long term. Um, so this new plan really emphasizes the importance of river diversions, both sediment and freshwater diversions into our marshes, um, because those projects really will, you know, provide that long-term sustainable delta um, that is the the goal of coastal restoration. Um, you know, they those diversion projects also provide a lot of synergies to other kinds of projects, like marsh creation projects and barrier restoration projects and ridge projects. So, you know, they really are a central theme in this uh, in this new 2017 priority report. Yeah, and to your point about um, sea level rise predictions, uh, you know, just to remind everybody in the in the 2012 report um, master plan, the uh, worst case scenario for sea level rise. Um, the worst case scenario is actually the lowest case scenario in 2017. So uh, what we thought could be the worst case is actually the best case of what we think we can look at in 2017. So that did have a really, really big impact on how projects survived into the next 50 years. So that's a that's a really good point. And some projects, yeah. thankfully, made uh, they actually are, are underway and under construction. So they are considered in a future without action because they've already received some action. Correct. Yeah. So, um, for example, the, the Homa Navigation Canal project um, is now included in uh, the, the future with no action. It is a project that, um, although it isn't 
entirely complete. It is it is considered complete from the right. planning purpose. It'll right. it'll be finished very soon, um, and so that's a, you know a huge success. Um, you know, in the last five years, is seeing some of these projects really just move forward um, into their completion stage. Um, similarly, you know, almost fifty miles of Barrier Island projects have been completed over the uh, the last you know several years. Um, and, you know, that's really our first line of defense for storms and, um, you know, and storm impacts. And so those those islands, those string of islands are really going to help protect uh, the remaining marsh um, that exists behind them, as well as all the communities that live in southeast Louisiana. Yeah. And this priority projects report is really complementary to the CPRA's efforts. Right. So we you use projects that were in the master plan, but also, you know, a plan like the annual plan is what prioritizes uh, the state's projects and talks about funding sources associated with that. But it also is a really great recap of work already done. Like you just mentioned some success stories already. Yep, absolutely. And, um, you know, with the identification of these 17 projects, it'll, it'll sort of unify, um, our coalition's message, um, to the state and to other restoration opportunities, um, you know, to really, you know, advocate for the, the advancement of these, of these priority projects. Um, you know, we feel that they are, you know, sustainable in the long term. They have, uh, you know, potential short-term impacts, um, and they're and they're feasible. You know, they're they're good projects that, um, you know, should be moved forward at this point in time and, and should be top on the list. Yeah, and this is, I mean, it really is what this report is. Is it's an amazing um, advocacy tool for our organizations and all the stakeholders we work with to go to, you know, different people, whether at the federal level, you know, at the state level and say, like, we believe these projects are crucial, you know, and kind of advocate for them. And obviously it's based in science, just like the Coastal Master Plan is based in science. And, you know, you mentioned it, Simone, but one of the really strengths of the Master Plan is that requirement by law to update every five years based on the best available science. So uh, certainly I know your team um, relied on that science, Eric, um, in developing this report. Absolutely. Um, you know, we took a lot of different parts uh, and a lot of different models and outputs into consideration when we were ranking these um, these projects. You know, we wanted to consider, um, you know, which projects would restore the natural ecosystem function. So we looked at outputs from the models like, you know, the amount of area of land that would be restored and, um, you know, which, which projects would synergize with each other, um, you know, so we could evaluate, you know, the proximity of projects, um, you know, and, 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 you know, make some educated guesses and, and estimations about how they would um, interact with each other uh, to help sustain, you know, each other. So you get these little clusters of projects that, um, that work really well together. And, uh, you know, that's going to be really a really central focus of, of the next five years is, is putting those, you know, those, those combinations of, 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 you know, projects together uh, to make, you know, at least parts of our coast much more resilient um, than it has been. Great way to put it. Um, so, Eric Simone likes to give me a hard time for going out on field trips a lot. A lot. You a were lot. also <laughs> you were also on the uh, Morapa field trip on mm. Monday and really talking about it. From Sounds a, like I'm the only one who wasn't. Sorry, out there must have lost your invite in the mail. Must have. Um, Somebody but, has to work. <laughs> Eric, you were there talking really about the importance of that area and the Morpaw Swamp as an and important bird trash area. Trash talking birds, yeah. Well, let's start with the positive. So <laughs> tell us tell us why is the Morpaw Swamp so critical to so many bird species? Yeah, so the Morpaw Swamp um, is is this amazing, you know, this amazing resource for, for ecological activity. Um, it, it's considered an important bird area by the National Audubon Society. 
um, which is a designation that recognizes that that area supports at least 1% of the population of a particular species of conservation concern. And in the case of Morpah Swamp, um, one of those species is the prothonotary warbler, uh, which is this little yellow migratory bird that winters in Central and South America, but then comes up to North America to breed, to mate, you know, to raise its young. And Morpah Swamp has a density of prothonotary warbler that's really rivaled, uh, that isn't rivaled by any other place in Louisiana. Um, Louisiana as a whole, you know, all of its bottom and hardwood forests and its swamp systems support something like 25% of the world nesting population of that species, and Morapaw Swamp is one of the most important places in the state for that species. Hundreds of thousands of pairs of this bird use Morapaw Swamp as a, as a nesting ground. Well, and I'm so glad we were able to highlight that, you know, with media that were out on, on Monday's tour. Um, so we know Prothonotary Warblers is one of, one of your favorites. Um, I know you expressed some feelings about my favorite bird, the Roseate Spoonbill, but we won't get into that. <laughs> yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. Um, the Roseate Spoonbill is glorious. That's uh, Glorious. Oh, and, sounds and a little bizarre, different. And it's bizarre in its own right. It has its own stamp. Did you see that? They have they, need to get those stamps. Uh huh. It's very nice. They have some birds. You don't know about the like. It's it's like a whole set of from U.S. Postal System of oh, birds. We'll have to get Sorry, those. Sorry. Side note: You well, should put your yeah. them on your Christmas cards. Uh, they're going on the Christmas list right now. <laughs> um. So, Eric. Uh, sorry, I got sidetracked. Um. Can we talk about the basin to basin approach here? I, I like that. And I think that's where your synergies really come. But that's how y'all looked at it, right? Through the basin to basin lens. And why is that important? Yeah. Um, yeah, we really, you know, we, we considered, uh, you know, a multitude of projects within each of um, really just four major basins. Um, you can kind of divide Louisiana's coast in several different ways and sub-basins and that sort of thing. But we really looked at those four basins. Um, and within those basins looked at projects that worked, that worked well together. Um, you know, so ridge restoration projects that were alongside large marsh creation projects or diversion projects. Um, and so that way, you know, each of the, of the major, um, basins in coastal Louisiana would get, uh, you know, some combination of projects that, um, that would be important for sustaining those basins. Um, you know, and those basins work, uh, across each other as well. So, you know, if the Terrebonne Basin is heavily eroded, that puts, you know, the Chenier Plain and the, the Bear Terry Basin at, at greater risk. So it's, it's, you know, identifying projects within to sustain those basin, basins is important, but then also making sure that all basins are, are, are represented in, in, in our advocacy is, you know, an important part of our mission. Right. And I, I guess another question I had on that, um, you know, so we're, we're definitely like highlighting 17 projects from the master plan that we think are absolutely critical to advance. But, you know, we still value and think, you know, the rest of the restoration projects in the master plan are important. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just as an example of that, um, you know, the Calcasieu hydrologic um, restoration project, the Calcasieu channel project, um, will help reduce, you know, the saltwater flow into Calcasieu Lake, um, and that really will help sustain the marshes around it. And there are a number of marsh creation projects all around the perimeter of, of Calcasieu Lake, and even though those aren't necessarily highlighted in our 17 um, priority project lists, um, you know, we recognize that the, the fundamental issue 
um, is reducing the saltwater intrusion into Lake Calcasieu, and so therefore it'll help sustain all of those other projects as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, really each one of these projects is important. We had to, you know, with limited resources and limited funding, we have to come up with a way of, of um, you know, choosing the ones that need to be done first. Um, but we recognize that certainly there are a lot more out there um, that need attention and that need funding. And, um, you know, as as we move forward and get some of these major, you know, projects under our belt to, you know, reduce um, saltwater intrusion and reintroduce the river back to its delta, um, then we can kind of go behind that and then add additional projects um, into the landscape. Right. And it's kind of what Simone was mentioning earlier about that return on investment. You know, don't spend a ton of money doing all these marsh creation projects when you have fundamental issues of salinity in the basin, right? Kind of right. get that fixed first and then you can build on top of it. So yeah. if you don't exactly. change the conditions, you know, then it's going to be yeah. the same. You're going to be in the same spot. Well, Eric, um, can you hang on for one more segment? We're going to talk a little bit more about the report and some other exciting news that's been going on in your world. Bird word. Mm-hmm. Sure thing. All right. Well, we'll be right back after the break. Um, You are listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM, also available online via iTunes and Google Play at deltadispatches.org. If you're really curious and want to check out this report and other resources, go to mississippiriverdelta.org slash priority projects. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome to Delta Dispatches. I'm Simone, M- Simone Malaz here with Jacques Aver. And we're here every Thursday on 990 WGSO. And as Jacques mentioned, uh, online at www.deltadispatches.org. We're joined by Eric Johnson. Hello, Eric. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you. So, so Eric, I want to ask one more question on this Priority Projects report that our coalition released today and then get into some of the exciting announcements. But, um, so what are the next steps, you know, really with this report? Um, I mean, are our organizations going to be kind of tracking progress on these projects or, you know, what happens from here on out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. I mean, different different members of our coalition, different aspects of our coalition are going to be working on this um, together in a variety of ways. Um, you know, the projects committee, like you mentioned, is going to be tracking the, the projects um, and their advancement every, you know, every few months, really every quarter. Um, and to make sure that projects are staying on track, we can relay that information to our policy team or advocacy team or communications teams to come with, come up with strategies to work, you know, with the, with the, um, CPRA and, and, and funding agencies and, and, you know, other stakeholders to make sure that these projects are moving forward in a timely fashion. Um, so really this is, really this is just the beginning. It's the vision of what we want to see over the next several years in terms of coastal restoration in Louisiana. Um, and there's still a lot of work to be done. So it'll be, uh, be an exciting time to, to see these projects move forward. That's great. And I know um, folks can go online again at MississippiRiverDelta.org slash party projects. And we actually have an interactive map that'll let you know, you know, what status is the project in? So is it conceptual? Is it in planning? Is it in engineering and design? Is it in construction? So um, you can really track that progress and learn more about the projects. So, Eric, we can't have you on the show without getting into the exciting world of bird news. I think you've made me a bird news. nerd. Yeah. Like, I was excited when you told me this. So let's talk about... We've we've converted her, Eric. <laughs> Almost. Great. It's like me, me and St. Bernard last oh week. God. You can try. <laughs> so we're, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go and have lunch at Rocky and Carlo's. And then we're going to go for... <laughs> yeah, because uh, now I know I'm <laughs> red gravy red. We'll go for gravy. a bird walk in the St. Bernard State Park. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, you know... 
in in early in mid to late April, we're going to have the Saint Bernard Bird Festival again. This oh, year. I love it. The, I believe the third year, maybe the fourth, uh, fourth year that this festival will be running. So, Audubon will be there, and uh, there'll be lots of opportunities to go on bird walks and and eat some great food. So, so. did I see that you're going to be a night owl? Do you're doing some nighttime surveys? Yeah, we're doing a um, some nighttime surveys for a very secretive and elusive bird, I love it. black rail. Yeah. <laughs> and Eric, you've actually caught one, correct? Really? Yeah, yeah. So we did our first uh, nighttime survey a couple weeks ago um, as part of the Yellow Rails and Rice Festival, and uh, brought about thirty people down to the marsh, and we walked through uh, this section of marsh, you know, in the dark. With some ropes do they glow in the spotlight. dark? Are they noisy? Where do you, how do you no, know where they are? They're they're extremely quiet. So you know we use a lot of bodies and make a lot of noise to try to flush the bird up out oh. of the grass. I'm noisy. And, I uh, can do that. Lo, lo and behold, we actually found one. Nice. Um, so there's been fewer than 20 documented records of this species Whoa. in Louisiana. Awesome. And so we we know almost nothing about the bird's status here. And so that's what we're that's what we're trying to figure so out. So do you ban them? What do you there. do? Yeah. You yeah, band? we'll catch them and we'll we'll put a band on them so that way when we revisit the sites over and over, we can sort of assess whether it's the same birds or if they're moving in and out. Um, and we're also going to collect a feather sample that can be analyzed to determine if that feather was grown on the Gulf Coast or if it was grown in the interior part of the United States where there are other populations of this bird. So we can figure out if these birds are here year-round or migrating in and out. So when I watched Eric's video or was that in the Audubon site where mm-hmm. he did like I learned all about the feathers and he he just plucked them right out <laughs> he, yeah. needed those. He, he needed. knows how to handle it yeah. you know don't don't do it if you're an amateur but so some yep. of the yep. some of the birds that you had banded previously right is it a Wilson plover you found where were they yeah so we also work with Wilson plovers that nest on the Caminata headlands you know one of those big restoration projects that just recently completed and we've banded um, several dozen of the adults over the last couple of years. And two of those birds were just turned up on the Pacific coast of Costa Rica this fall. Um, and so that's the first time that, that our Louisiana Wilson's plovers have been relocated um, outside of the country. That's amazing. It's amazing. And it shows oh, yeah. kind of the importance of the restoration of these places. But also, you know, how important Louisiana is as that last point of departure for many of these birds before migration. Well, Eric, thank you so yeah, much you, for coming on again. Um, and keep Absolutely. us updated. We'll probably have to have we, you back to talk about the St. Bernard Bird Festival. We will let you and Alicia stay as our, our favorite three-peat guests. And, and then hopefully we'll get you on for a fourth time. Y'all are really important you to the work that, that we do. and. Yeah. <laughs> and y'all are always important to the work we're gonna that have we to do. make a ba- badge <laughs> so Jacques let's talk about how we're gonna end this week since well, you like to yeah as we were talking it. about on last week's show this Saturday is the cook-off for the coast um you know there's a story about it it's down in uh in St. Bernard wait, at Dockville wait, Farm Alicia said it if you can't beat them eat them exactly <laughs> yeah if you can't beat them eat them so they're gonna be cooking up feral hogs which are obviously really destructive to the coast and they're gonna have different competition teams um, and they coming on, up with the best recipe a show on the station mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah they're gonna be on another show the food dine and wine show i think today talking about it but um you know it'll be a great day we'll have chef nathan richard from cavan who's been on the show before poppy tooker from Cash louisiana bar. eats is going to be a uh, guest judge as well as um first lady mcginnis um cash bar from whiskey bayou live music live music Kids activities silent auction and you can they're going to have some folks tabling too that'll have some information uh some of our friends louisiana master naturalists 
Restore the Mississippi River Delta be there, Vanishing Paradise. CPRA. CPRA. Quipra. Quipra. Awesome. And the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. So very cool. So you can still buy tickets. Be sure to go online. It's coastcookoff.splashthat.com. And they're cheaper if you buy them online. Yeah, buy them online in advance. But if you get them, if you want to get them on the day of, you still can. Another great show. We're going to take a break for Thanksgiving. We'll yep. be right back. Happy Turkey Day. Um, go online, MississippiRiverDelta.org slash Priority Projects. Thank you for listening to another episode of Delta Dispatches.